760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, buddy. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760KFMB or TuneIn Radio, you can hear the show as it airs. And all the podcasts are commercial-free on iymoney.com uh, when it posts on Monday. Now time to introduce the main man, main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, accomplished marathon runner, a best-selling author, a philanthropist, a lecturer, and a family office expert advising several high-net-worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? Superb, Joe. Thanks. And contrary to rumors that have been floating around, I am not moving to Los Angeles. <laughs> Well, I got a big theory on this, and I've done a little little research. Uh, I do not see where the new landlord, Stan Cranky, and the L.A. Rams have uh, welcomed the Chargers yet. Uh, so, I still do not believe they're moving. And what, they are moving. And what a stick in it's the done eye! Deal. What is no, what is? Well, they might be moving to StubHub, whatever Central with uh, thirty thousand seats. Right, which, Carson. What? A, no, that's not Carson. Where is StubHub? It's near Carson. Well, anyway, the point being, what a stick in the eye to the entire league. We can't fill a 50 or 70,000-foot stadium anymore. We're going to fill a 30,000. And, um, of course, I know he's got an eye toward toward Inglewood with, with Stan Cranky. But I st- I for went, a dollar a year. I went on the – yeah, for – I went on the their website, the Rams' website. There's nothing about the Chargers. I tried calling their – for what they tried finding their phone number on their website for the Rams, and it's not even on their website. I, had a, I found that on Yelp. And I called their office, and I got an answering machine for the Rams. <laughs> well, Joe, look, it's so, an improvement. The Chargers are moving from a fan base that has both anger and apathy to a fan base that merely has apathy. <laughs> so it's an improvement. And, and, and believe me, uh, look, you got the UCLA up there, USC. I mean, what, what fan, what season ticket holder there is going to go to a college game Saturday and then a pro, another pro game on Sunday uh, and, and of course, they did this this poll of LA. But Joe, they're moving. No, okay. Yeah, they're moving. Moving, and and no conference uh, this week. I mean, uh, it was just uh, he posted this letter, and you know nobody showed up. I don't know. It's it's still it's still iffy to me. I think he's. I think uh, what the owner here is trying to do is get money out of the league. Not and, happening. He's moving. And and money out of Stan Cranky to stay in San Diego. Because, Not staying. Okay. Moving. All right. It's a done deal. Well, good. Option has been exercised. Not only, not only will we get Qualcomm staying back, we'll get Chargers Park. I think we should turn it into a YMCA and put a farmer's market there. And somebody said put some homeless facilities for the vets and whatever. And, you know, it might work out for the best. So we'll, we'll see. I don't think too many people are crying too many tears today. Doesn't seem to week. be the case. But anyway, thanks to Jim Lampley, Jeff, Jeffrey Krinsk, we had a lunch this week uh, up at Artera at the Del Mar Mary. You ever had lunch up there, Richard? I go there frequently. It's pretty good, pretty yeah. good. I think they even have some seafood on the menu, which is relevant to today's show. Yeah. And, uh, and one other thing, Kensington Video, after many, many years in business, I guess this is their second, uh, they tried to reopen next to uh, Ken Cinema in Kensington, but um, they're calling it a day. Winnie is 89 years old, the mother, and I know Guy Hanford, but uh, best of success and luck. They've got, they still have a, one of the greatest foreign film collections um, uh, probably in the country, and I'm sure they'll find a way to get those to customers who, who are interested. But anyway, I digress because we are celebrating 40 years of a business here in San Diego, which was a very big industry at one time, and, and it still is for these guys. But 
you know, we were the tuna capital of the pretty much the world at one time, right, Richard? I was quite well aware of that because yeah. when I started out as a an accountant before I became a CPA around 1979, my old accounting firm did a lot of work with the Portuguese yeah. and the Italian sounds and fishy, and Sounds fishy to me, but anyway. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> we, we would count the cash on the boats, and then the cash didn't necessarily make it to the bank. <laughs> Anyway, we are celebrating 40 years of Catalina Offshore Products. They're down there uh, right near Tio Leo's in, uh, in Lovelock in that little industrial area. They've got a really terrific facility, retail, wholesale, all there. A lot of customers coming in uh, every day. And uh, the founder is here with us in studio uh, along with uh, his, co- his business partner who's been on the show. But anyway, welcome to the show, Dave Rudy and Tommy Gomes. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for including us today. Our absolute pleasure. Welcome, Tommy. Hey, good morning. <laughs> welcome back, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. So anyway, Dave Rudy, uh, gosh, what, you know, when did you get involved in seafood? Give us a little bit about your background in history and, and, uh, and where you were born and raised and how you even got in, interested in, in seafood. Sure. I was born in uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota, but after one winter, I convinced my parents <laughs> to move to the West Coast. So I arrived in Boy, California. Well, that's a precocious about, one-year-old. <laughs> you came here at one? About nine months old. How and, about that? Um, Good for lived you. Lived in uh, Northern California and then moved to Southern California. Went to high school in Orange County. Okay. Um, I learned to scuba dive when I was in high school. I just First time I went in the ocean, I just loved it and wanted to spend all my time in the ocean. I went to uh, UC Irvine. Now, to now study. Did, they, did they have a class in high school or what? what drew they you? did, yeah. It was a high school summer class to learn how to snorkel. Huh. And then I took a junior college class to learn to scuba dive. Are they still doing that here? Because I know there's a big, I know Bill Powers, I mean, he has a big scuba diving club. I mean, a very interesting thing to look into. I don't, I didn't know they even taught that in high school, but. Yeah, uh, it was, it was, that was how I got introduced to the ocean. And we just, have high just, schools in North County that teach surfing, Joe. Well, I know, but we're talking diving, Richard, so. <laughs> So. Anyway, um, <laughs> really enjoyed my time in the ocean, went to UC Irvine, studied marine biology, and as I was continuing to sport dive, uh, we heard about the problem with the sea urchins. Ah. The sea urchins were uh, taking over the bottom, they were eating all the kelp. I learned in San Diego that we had a kelp company here that was killing them. How far um, offshore are the urchins? And just they're in the kelp bed, so they're so you know, you less than a mile offshore. Oh, okay. But there's no danger of people walking on them at the, at the beach level, right, and, and hurting themselves? Generally, no. They're okay. generally in deeper water. You do find some urchins in the tide pools. You see some of the purple urchins in there. Mm. But these are the red or black urchins. are typically deeper water. Okay. Anyway, so there was sort of an imbalance. And uh, at that time, they were killing the sea urchins. And I learned that uh, the Japanese were going to start, Japanese buyers were going to start buying the sea urchins for seven cents a pound. So huh. I immediately went out and started harvesting sea urchins. And As a high school student? This, no, this is in college. In co- okay. <laughs> so I started harvesting some sea urchins in college. And, um, and this was in Orange County? Orange yeah, County. Okay. I lived in Huntington Beach, and I worked out of Newport Beach at the time. And uh, as it turned out, they would only buy the sea urchins during the summer months. Um, I'm sorry, during the winter months. During the summer months, they wouldn't buy the sea urchins because there were plenty of sea urchins in Japan. Mm-hmm. So I would go and harvest seaweed during the summer months, and we'd find seaweed at Catalina Island, and I'd, gr- I'd harvest the seaweed on the backside of Catalina or offshore of Catalina, mm-hmm. and that's how I came up with the name, Catalina Offshore. Huh. And the seaweed, we'd sell to a company here in San Diego called American Agar and Chemical. Uh-huh. It's where the Mission Brewery is right now mm-hmm. over at uh, Hancock and Washington. Okay. And so yeah. the, the, the American Agar and Chemical was started during World War II, 
because of the shortage of agar agar. Now, agar is the stuff you put in petri dishes, folks, exactly. for, for laboratory exactly. work. Exactly. Right? So, okay. what happened during World War II? Before World War II, we got our supply from Japan. Hmm. With the World War II starting, we couldn't get it from Japan anymore, so it was a wartime necessity. So they asked all the abalone divers, to, as a war necessity, to switch from harvesting abalone to harvesting seaweed. Huh. And a number of companies opened up in San Diego to process the seaweed to get the agar-agar. Huh. Anyway, American Agar and Chemical was the only one that survived into the 70s, and that gave us something to do during the summer months when they wouldn't buy the sea urchins. Huh. So anyway, obviously over time, things evolve, and uh, I moved to San Diego. Um, eventually, American Agar and Chemical closed down okay. in the mid-'80s, and I was uh, continuing to dive for the sea urchins. When I first started the company, it was just me and a couple guys on a boat. First, I had a small boat, then a bigger boat. We'd work all the, all the Southern California islands, uh, sea urchins and seaweed, eventually just, just the sea urchins because the seaweed went away. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we had an El Nino come in the early 80s, 1983, and my sea urchin buyer said, I'm not going to do sea urchins anymore. And he had problems with the Japanese market and hmm. the El Nino, and, and I thought, okay, I, I have to drive my sea urchins up to L.A. now. I don't have a seaweed buyer anymore, so i got to figure out something else. Mm. So I started cleaning a few urchins in my garage at first and took them to a few sushi bars, like uh, Sushi Bar Kazumi was one of my first customers, mm. and, and Sushi Bar Kios and Mickey-san's. And I started processing urchins, um, first in my garage, and then um, the, my old sea urchin buyer, he let me use the plant at night. It was uh, Dave Raymond over at Royal Pacific Seafood. It was over mm. on uh, G Street Mole. Okay. And so I'd process the urchins there at at night, and then uh, distribute throughout the 30 sushi bars in San Diego. And that was my market at first. Wonderful. Anyway, we're coming up on our break now, Dave, and uh, we'll come back more with uh, you and, and Tommy Gomes and learn more about your whole history of Catalina Offshore products right after this. Oh, oh that warms my heart. Nice. Well, let's hear it. Is that Flipper? Yes. Yeah. Mm, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> hey, speaking of the uh, flipper, are they going to be doing? I know they they ended the uh, the Shamu shows. Are they going to continue? With, I think they have dolphin or porpoise shows at SeaWorld. Anyone know if they're going to continue with those? I don't know. We'll have to find out. Anyway, we're back with Dave Rudy, who's the founder of Catalina Offshore Products, celebrating their fortieth year in business. Tommy Gomes is with us. Also, we'll get to him in a little bit. But where we leave off, Dave, talking about we're talking the, about weed, Joe. Well, seaweed. Bales oh. <laughs> of seaweed on my boat. Bring it back to San Diego. Yes, to sell it. So um, anyway, you started in the the um, urchin business, and tell us about the whole growth of the sushi industry as and how that uh, impacted you. Sure. When I first started processing the sea urchins, we only had 30 sushi bars, so it really wasn't a big market here. Wait, what year was that? That was roughly. 1985, yeah, roughly. I was, was going to say, around 1980, I don't really remember any sushi bars. Yeah. Right. Really not yeah. very many. But yeah. um, so, my, so I had to develop markets outside of San Diego, so I started finding customers in L.A., Hawaii. I eventually found a really good customer in Japan who's, who's treated us really well over the years. Hmm. And it was interesting story that um, I had hired a, a sushi chef at Mikisan. He came to work for me. And when we went to Japan, I met his friend who wanted to be in the seafood business, was mm -hmm. working at a fish market, and he turned out to be a great customer in Japan. And he's now the biggest importers of, importer of sea urchin in Japan. Mm. Hmm. And I met him in the mid-'80s. So we are, what percentage of the sea urchin market globally would you say San Diego? Is it like 10%, 8%? 
Uh, globally, San Diego is a pretty small number. Mm. California has been in the, you know, it's one of the top five fisheries in the state typically. Hmm. And so California is a fairly big player, maybe number four in the world or something. Wow. I mean, Japan, Chile are the two biggest ones. Pretty regulated by the conser- oh, yeah. conservation people. So actually, that. yeah, we got involved in, in fisheries management back in the 1980s. It was... Uh, Again, we had one point where Fish and Game said, kill all the urchins, they're a problem. And we actually went, we actually had to get legislation to manage the fishery and, and get involved in it. So it was the uh, industry that went and got legislation to self-tax ourselves, mm-hmm. come up with the Director Sea Urchin Advisory Committee. Hmm. And we had money that we could use for basic science to try to understand the growth, the reproduction, the mortality of sea urchins, and... And we came up with the size limit. We came up with a limited number of days per week. We worked closely with the Department of Fish and Game to come up with these regulations to manage the fisheries. So we were really ahead of the curve as far as uh, sustainable fisheries. I mean, you don't want to wipe out your entire uh, No, exactly. Food supply, I mean, right? Well, I California mean, had previous history of wiping out an entire industry. That would be the sardine industry back in the um, so that, that's, earlier in the century. We can go off. That's another side story. Yeah. So it was, it was over fish, but it was also a natural cycle, right. it turns out. It wasn't. Right. It, at first, it was thought just an overfishing Only event, overfishing, but really right. it turned out to be more of a cyclical thing. Right. Anyway, back to, back mm-hmm. to the story of Catalina. So, mm-hmm. again, I, I started uh, selling to sushi bars. We started finding wholesalers. And um, I was downtown, kind of where the ballpark is right now, and mm-hmm. I could see the signs of the ballpark coming. So I thought it might be a good idea to move somewhere else because you know they, I was renting some space, and I had an opportunity to buy a buy a building over on Lovelock. Mm -hmm. So in uh, 1997, I bought the building uh, where we're at now in Lovelock. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we had another El Nino come through. El Ninos are tough on us. They, they, first of all, the weather's really bad. Uh, Divers can't go out, but it also knocks out the kelp. And Mm. there's no kelp, then the sea urchins aren't any good. Mm. So El Ninos are a big challenge for us. Does the kelp wash away or where does it go? Some of it floats and some of it ends up on the beaches. About half beaches, ends yeah. up on the beaches. You get piles of kelp okay. on the beach. The other half floats away. Yeah. Uh, but the warm water and the storms are pretty devastating on the kelp. So love luck for, for folks who want to come down and buy uh, retail, because I know you're and we'll get to Tommy in a, in a, in a few seconds. But um, you know, if you can get the T.O. Leo's folks down there at the foot of where USD is, where Richard went to school, and just go a little bit further west. I think WD-40 is down there. Right? Yeah, it is. Some, some, it so is. So is O'Connell's Bar, but anyway. Well, that's a little further north, I think. But uh, is it still O'Connell's? I don't even know. I don't remember. <laughs> Richard remember. doesn't even drink. I don't even know why you bring it. <laughs> I used to play in dart but, contests oh, there. Okay. <laughs> So at that point, I, I realized I had to diversify, so I started buying more local seafood. I started buying local swordfish, local lobsters, and I started buying some fish out of Baja, California, snappers uh-huh. and groupers and halibuts and scallops and things like that. And then how and many sushi b- restaurants and bars in San Diego County now? Because you started with 30. Oh, there's, there's got to be four or 500 wow. sushi bars in the county wow. now. So, so that blew up became, tenfold. Yeah, so it, our, our Japan market kind of diminished because of uh, their economy changed and the import of Russian sea urchins into Japan mm. made a big difference. But luckily, we had the sushi boom here in the U.S. and, and, our, and our market expanded in the U.S. So we, we went from an export market to a domestic market. And, and it's and still, uh, I bet you have customers that have been with you, what, uh, 20, 30 years, I've, right? I've got customers, yeah, th- over 30 years. <laughs> like Richard is with our sponsors. I've got some employees <laughs> that have been over 30 years, too. Huh. Well, I saw you this week. Uh, you were on, doing a lot of TV and a lot of media this week, and uh, b- b- just uh, 
cleaning the sea urchins is quite an operation. How many people? You had? Yeah, I think you had like uh, at least uh, 12 or 15 or 20 people we've, working on we've that, We've right? got about uh, 45 people involved <laughs> in processing sea urchins. It's a very Isn't laborious it? process. You have to yeah, uh, split that. them and spoon them and, and clean, clean the them. stomachs off. And then yeah. you have to pack them neatly on a tray. So it's quite a process. Boy, oh boy, I'll say, I'll say. Well, that's, uh, so uni, if you go to a sushi restaurant, you can expect to, I mean, it must be quite quite an expensive little dish. What do, what do they run typically low to high? At the sushi bar? Or? Yeah, at the sushi bar, the retailer. Yeah, you're going to pay, you know, 3 to $5 a bite, essentially. It's, hmm. Yeah. How about it's that? It's a delicacy, Joe. It yeah, yeah, how about it, that? It's, it's a pretty amazing product, though. Yeah. Anyway, so we, we diversified and uh, started selling other local seafood and, and then um, Tommy Gomes came to work for me, and and uh, he, he started off on the floor packing fish for us. Let's talk a little bit about Tommy. Tommy's a, fi- fi- a fifth-generation fisherman uh, in this in this uh, city here, born and raised here, right, Tommy? Yeah, good morning. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so how did you two gents even meet? I was working on a sport fishing boat, and believe it or not, there was a help-wanted sign in the window for filleters at Catalina Offshore, and it was wintertime, so work was slowing down. So I went to Catalina and became Dave's nightmare. <laughs> but did you, uh, did, did you, did you work in the tuna industry, though, back when it was in its heyday here in San Diego? Yeah, I sure did. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked and ran tuna boats. Uh, my father was a commercial tuna fisherman. My brothers, my uncles, my cousins. That's what we did. Yeah. So what, what year was that when you uh, first went to work for uh, Dave? Uh, a little over with 13 Dave. years ago. How about that? Yeah. So you, your, your forte was building up the retail end of things. I know you do this collaboration kitchen, which uh, I'd like you to tell us about, but uh, that, that was mainly your, your, um, your forte, wasn't it? Yeah, we started out, there was a, a niche that was missing within the city about good fresh seafood. I really hated seeing it coming off of trucks, and so uh, we opened up our doors to the general public and, and for chefs to come in and walk in, and now we've... We've generated quite the following with that, and and mm-hmm. actually, uh, almost three years ago, uh, Dave and I got together and we built what we call the Seafood Educational Nutritional Center, mm. which is basically a retail shop, but chefs can come in and pick up their seafood there and talk to the general public, and the general public can also get ideas about nutrition and recipes and all that, which is great for the chefs that are there because we can direct the general public to that restaurant, and it really is a full circle and, and you have a lot of cooking going on, so it always smells great over there. You know, it's always great to be serving, uh, selling f- food items and, and smelling great cooking going on. I'm sure it increases sales. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're not selling anything, but what we do is we, we educate and do food demos there, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, people can buy retail fish th- through the market Oh, as yeah, well, right? and if, if they don't know how to cook it and there's a chef there, I, we can always pull a chef over and they can show how simple seafood really truly is to yeah, cook and and quick too i mean sam the cooking guy did a thing the other day with poached uh salmon i think or whatever i mean in 10 minutes you have a meal and he's there a lot too sam the cooking guy right yeah i call him the tornado because when he <laughs> leaves my kitchen's a mess <laughs> love you sam doesn't clean up huh he has people for that me <laughs> yeah you right. so so that's great and um so, Tommy, so what's your main role over there? Your typical day in your life is like what? You know, roll in 4.30, 5 o'clock, take care of restaurants and um, chefs, and then get the ball rolling. And now my role is changing to where I'm going to be out in the field a little bit more and talking to restaurants and, and uh, 
growing. Mm-hmm. Catalina's growing more and more every day, every week, every month. It's growing. Yeah. Well, I see from the notes here that 75% uh, of nearly 75% of your seafood is sustainable. So what does that mean to the consumer? Well, sustainability is a big, it, I call it the $20 word or the gorilla mm-hmm. in the room. I mean, it could mm-hmm. mean so many different things. And and for Catalina, being a family-owned and operated company with 40 years now in San Diego, you know, our roof is covered and solar-powered. Mm. Uh, Dave is active on several boards of directors as far as fisheries management goes. We were both on the board for the South Coast Study Region for the Marine Life Protection Act. Um, I sit on a board of directors for Chef Celebration, which is another nonprofit in San Diego. I was spent a year on the CCA board. So... Sustainability is a huge word, and for me personally, it's the harvesting of good, healthy stocks in a manner of which is non-destructive to the habitat, and if there is a bycatch, we market that bycatch, and so on and so forth. All right. Anyway, Tommy, we'll come back with Dave Rudy, Tommy Gomes, and all about Catalina Offshore products right after these announcements. Hang on. We went a little over there. All right, we're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to all of our sponsors, none of whom are moving to Los Angeles. <laughs> At the top of the list, as always, UBS. Could not do the show without UBS and Michael Caranta. Really appreciate the support. Also, our favorite CPAs on the planet. we got two groups of them. More traditional CPAs, Plato Epic CPAs up in San Marcos with Don Epic and Paul Polito. Also, Jason Kruger's great CFO service firm, Signature Analytics. Also, our great friend Joel Gruskin with Cost Segregation Initiatives. Joel helps real estate owners improve their cash flow. Now, all this money, those sponsors help you make. How about you keep it over at Mechanics Bank, formerly known as California Republic Bank. In fact, we got Sean Puckett, who runs the UTC office, as an upcoming guest here, I think later this month. 28th. Mm-hmm. That's it. And great bank that specializes in working with wealthy families and family offices. Also, we have Geiger Law Office back, Brenda Geiger, specializing in asset protection and estate planning. I think we're going to be hearing from her in March because there's a lot of news going on in that area. Mm-hmm. Neil Staley, Hub International, formerly known as Mars Medics Insurance, a great employee benefits firm. Also, the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, making heroes out of CPAs, or I should say wealth advisors, making heroes out of CPAs to the CPAs very best clients. They've got an event coming up on March 1st. More on that later. Also, our great friend, Paul Hines. Paul, of course, heads up the SeniorSafeAndSound.org initiative here in San Diego, helping to prevent elder abuse, or I should say financial abuse against the elderly. And Paul, of course, is also the CEO of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. And we have Elite Lifestyle Management with Michelle St. Clair. For those of you who are challenged by time, Elite Lifestyle Management can do simple things like helping you with your, with your travel arrangements to much more complex and exciting things like getting you fishing licenses at private beaches in Cuba when you mm-hmm. fly your private jet in. You name it, they can do it. They can even put lights under your couch. Michelle was telling me that story. That's a pretty funny one. <laughs> and Joe, I'm getting hungry doing this show, but we got, we got some solutions for that too, don't Absolutely. We? Well, there's a very good food foundation headed up by Michelle Ciccarelli Lirac, who's a good mutual friend of Tommy and, and mine as well. And we do the broadcast from their, um, their uh, annual Berry Good Night dinner in June every year. 
And uh, they also do four shows a year with us about sustainability, food, and all kinds of uh, interesting related uh, matters. And then also there's Lestat's Coffee Houses, the original in Normal Heights, the second in University Heights, and the third just opened Hillcrest. They're all open 24-7, 365. Great food, great coffee, great people watching. We always jam-packed all the time. And... Um, and there you have it. I know a lot of these sponsors have been working you with you, Richard, for uh, many, many years, right? Yeah, we now count them in decades, which is a 10-year <laughs> increment. In some cases, three of those. <laughs> anyway, let's get back with Dave, Rudy, Tommy Gomes. Let's give the website CatalinaOP.com. Dave, that was your son who put that together, right? Yeah, it was a high school project. My son was uh, in high school, what, 10, 12 years ago, and um, he had a he had a project? high school project, high school website design and he asked me what i should do and i said do it for the business yeah how about that and free I, labor internships yeah, exactly. that's wonderful <laughs> and he continued to work on the website as he went through college and i gave him a little commission as he that's continued perfect to monitor and keep it going and, and we sell a million dollars a year on the website now is that right yeah. how nice. about that Pays for that college education that's exactly. good has he, has he worked in the business or just the website? I mean, he, he mostly worked in the website. He mm-hmm. did send one, spend one summer cracking sea urchins in the plant. Mm. But um, he's in Philadelphia now. He's he's doing his his uh, residency as a doctor. Oh so. my gosh, mm-hmm. fantastic! Congratulations. So, well, what what a great legacy that is. I mean, he should have. Is there a little C a copyright note with his name on it at the bottom of the? You have to give him a little credit there. But I uh, should, yeah, million bucks, boy. Well, that paid for everything. <laughs> Good for see, folks. You make up your you make up your own enterprise here, but uh, anyway, back to Tommy. Tommy, can I ask you a question? Fifth generation fishing family. Can, can you talk about how it was when the fishermen went out on the boats on those tuna expeditions? Because to me, it's fascinating history. How difficult and challenging this work really was. I don't think a lot of people know that. Well, fishing in general is pretty tough, but you know, it, there's a romance side to it as well. You know, the ocean calling you, and once it gets in your blood, you're, mm-hmm. you're, it's always going to call you forever and ever. Whether you're a sea urchin diver, or fishing tuna, or salmon, or whatever it is, it's just you work hard, and when you come home, you play hard. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I remember the the guy. Well, this is a quick CPA story. The guys used to go out for months at a time. They would make a lot of money. Then they'd come back, and we'd filed for unemployment. You know, with the employment development department, why they didn't do anything for six months? <laughs> well, the, the, if there was, uh, it's funny that you say that because actually, if it's due to lack of fish, yeah. then you can you can file for unemployment. And exactly. if you were home for fishing, you weren't actually fishing. Right. You could file for unemployment. Exactly. So, yeah, even though you're making good cash money, you could still collect. You're paying into it. You might as well. Yeah, get so we were always can. fishing for good reasons, and we found them. Oh yeah. So we don't have the big tuna fleet anymore, but we have a little tuna fleet coming back. Uh, we've got uh, five boats that are fishing, coming bring fish into San Diego now. Fresh tuna, fresh opa, fresh monchong, fresh wahoo, and we've landed around a million pounds off these local wow. boats in the last year. Huh. So again, we got a little bit of a tuna fleet coming back, and it's instead of for canned tuna, it's mostly for fresh tuna. Mm-hmm. So how many canneries left in San Diego? Any? Any? Do we have any left here? No. no. No, they're all gone. No, we had Ralston, Perina, AJ, Hines, Checkerboard Square, Bumblebee, Starkiss, po- uh, Top Wave. Uh, all of those have gone offshore, and they're far, far away. And, you know, mm-hmm. Starkiss sold to Korea. Bumblebee's up on the block. So it's not like it used to be. So when I go into Trader Joe's and get my Trader Joe's tuna, we don't know which it's. We don't know where that's coming. Or should, can we talk about that? You you don't know really where it's coming. However, Catalina Offshore is going to have their own brand tuna canned ah. shortly, and we'll be able to track that right to the boat, which is run by 
an, a San Diego skipper offloaded here Local in San Diego. Local tuna in the can. Well, I'm buying. Catalina yeah, OP. I'm buying. Wow. When we'll is that we'll, happening? We'll have That'll it this be this year for the next couple of months. Okay. That's fantastic. We'll, yeah. have, we'll, we'll definitely keep that it. Gonna be, it's going to be really cool. It's exciting. It's a new project. and it, It's almost and, like the home brew mart uh, here, you know, the whole brewery industry. You guys are going to re- resurrect the whole tuna, the whole tuna can tuna industry, I think. I one, hope. one bite at a time. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> That'll be terrific. That'll be great. Now, as far as uh, in conjunction with your 40th anniversary, you've also worked with this Kitchens for Good. Is that something you guys established? We can get Aviva on here eventually. I guess why don't, we, why don't you jump in on this microphone, Aviva, and with Dave. And how did, tell us about Kitchens for Good. And, you're, and Joe, can we give her whole yeah, name? Let though, me please. do this. We have Aviva, Aviva, introduction, Aviva Paley. On. I was wondering if she's related to William Paley of CBS fame back in the day. We can get, she's director of programs for Kitchens for Good. And tell us about uh, what you do and how you connected up with uh, with Catalina. Thank you so much for having me. So we're I'm with Kitchens for Good, and we are a nonprofit catering and events company. And all of the revenue that we generate goes back into culinary job training for the unemployed mm. and healthy meals for the hungry. And so we've been working with Catalina Offshore and Tommy Gomes for the last year or so in training our students to become cooks and in using some of their product in our catering as well as in our many meals for the hungry that we prepare. Because seafood is very short shelf life, so you have to use it right away. So this is great. Yeah, it doesn't get better with age like beef. (laughs) (laughs) Which you know something about as well, right, Tom? You like your steaks. But um, in any case, how did you connect up with Kathleen? Did they contact you? You contacted them or... Uh, we've reached out to Tommy about a year ago. I, I heard a rumor that he had some extra fish pairing knives, and I stopped by and <laughs> convinced him to come teach our students how to use them. And ever since that, he's just been a great support, not only teaching students the skills, but also a lot of the life skills about what it takes to be a good employee in, mm-hmm. the, in the culinary and hospitality industry. Well, this is a great thing that you've done. So you, you launched this in 24, a couple of years ago, right? With your, mm-hmm. with your business partner, Chuck Samuelson. And uh, well, tell us how you started and what, what inspired you and, and, um, and tell us about your whole operation. Sure. So we started several years ago with what we thought was going to be a pretty simple two issues around food waste and hunger. And uh, as you may know, 40% of food in the United States ends up going to waste, Mm. while simultaneously one in six San Diegans are food insecure or hungry. And so from the chef perspective, we thought, well, there has got to be a better way. We got to be able to take all of the surplus, cosmetically imperfect produce that's perfectly edible and nutritious and turn it into meals for those in need. Mm. And as we went along that path, we really started thinking how many meals would we need to really make a dent in hunger in San Diego? And we quickly came to realize that no amount of food will ever end hunger because ultimately hunger is a symptom of poverty and lack of economic opportunity. There's Mm -hmm. more than enough food out there. It's about um, having access to it. So we decided to provide this culinary job training program to give unemployed people a shot at becoming self-sufficient. Anyway, let's take a little break. We're going to come back with Aviva Paley talking about Kitchens for Good and Catalina Ocean products right after these messages. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Look out. Look out. <laughs> it's the shark. <laughs> Just sit right back and you'll hear it. 
Tim All right, Jeff, and now you're cooking, baby. <laughs> Gilligan's Gilligan. We're back with Aviva Paley from Kitchens for Good and also Dave Rudy and Tommy Gomez from Catalina Offshore Products. And Aviva, boy, you started a really uh, terrific organization here. I see the Leech Tag Foundation helped you out, right? Absolutely. They've been a huge supporter of ours. Yeah. What's your background? I mean, why the interest in food? Um, I've been working in the nonprofit realm for a while, specifically around hunger relief. And, okay. you know, a lot of the nonprofits I was working at, I was pretty dissatisfied with seeing that we were constantly chasing after the dollar from funders. And so that's a big reason that we started it with a catering enterprise at the base of everything we do so that we can really generate our own revenue to support our programs. So mm-hmm. we generate about 70% of our total revenue oh, through catering and events. How many, um, how many students do you have or have you had um, to date? So we've trained over 60 students wow. so far. We train 75 students a year. Good for you. Um, with four classes a year, five classes a year of 15 students. Terrific. And their website, kitchensforgood.org. I wanted to give that out. And also catalinaoffshore.com, right? OP, excuse OP. me. OP. Catalina OP. Boy, the doctor's not going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> catalinaop.com. But uh, this is this is really great. So, um, well, how much how much uh, waste do you, do you get provided by from Catalina per, on a weekly basis? Would you say? Um? So, as part of this um, this promotion with their 40th anniversary that we're so fortunate to be a part of, we estimate that we'll be able to provide 1,000 servings of fish to yeah. hungry San Diegans. And how do you identify them? Do they contact you? Do you go to the shelters? I mean, how does that work? So we work with some amazing hunger relief organizations that are already serving food to those in need. And what we're able to provide is a prepared meal for those families mm-hmm. that may not have the time, resources, energies, or even kitchens mm-hmm. to turn perhaps a box of groceries into a healthy and nutritious meal. Well, yeah, I mean, that's so important because so many of the lower, in, I mean, part of the lower income challenge is you say access to food, but then to the extent there is access, it frequently is access to really, but I mean, it's really bad for you. But mm-hmm. I mean, let's say a single mom, two kids struggling to get to make ends meet, and she would like to take advantage of what you're uh, helping out with how do they how do they contact you or how do you find them Um, yeah so we work with a couple organizations that work with just that population like jewish family service or Mm. heaven's windows or um crisis house and those clients will go visit those uh, facilities, and they can pick up basically our prepackaged frozen nutritious meals mm. um, that are really gourmet, prepared by our students in their culinary job training program. And Chuck, your business partner, he was a chef, right? And yes, uh, quite a good chef at that. So, <laughs> so where was he working when you found him? So Chuck has uh, been a chef and restaurateur for over 45 years, oh, and prior okay. to coming... Prior to founding Kitchens for Good, he was the senior manager of food services at Stone Brewing Company. Ah, okay. We've had the CEO. Greg has been on the show. We've mm-hmm. had Greg on the show, Greg absolutely. The show, yeah, it was terrific. And Tommy knows him, and Michelle knows him. He's a great guy. Yeah. But, uh, boy, they have sure uh, launched a lot of businesses uh, in the brewery. Now you're telling me about this whole enterprise. This is, this is great. It's like Qualcomm. You know, they spun off, I think, 170 companies or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's terrific. So, um, well, this this has been great. You've been ma- doing the big media blitz this week, right? I know you were on Fox. We could talk about that. Where else, what, yeah. what else do you guys do? You can mention well, names. With the 40 years and the big celebration and working with Kitchens for Good, for every 40 pounds of seafood we sell within the first 40 days, we're going to donate a pound of seafood to Kitchens for Good. And that'll serve, that'll come up to be about 1,000 portions. So it's pretty exciting all the way around. Nice, nice. 
Is there um, is there going to be any definitive uh, event at the at your facility or something, or you, uh, maybe you, have you thought about yeah, that? Yeah, the Rolling Stones are flying <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there a group out of the sixties? The 60s? Rolling Stone Crabs. We're wasn't, get, there, wasn't there a group out of the sixties called the Urchins? <laughs> the yeah, urchins. and we're going to get the, the Grateful Dead's not around, but we're going to yeah. get fish to come in because yeah, it would fit right in. Yeah. How about the Ungrateful Dead? I don't know, but so we're going to be doing all kinds of neat things. You know, of course, we have Collaboration Kitchen going on throughout the year. Tell us about we, that. People don't know enough, but did we did we, did we uh, define that adequately for everybody? I mean, so. To go along with the whole retail program and the restaurant program, we started uh, cooking demos uh, years ago. And and Rebecca and I, Rebecca, without her, none of this stuff would be possible. But Let's we, thank her. She's in studio with us. Full so name, Rebecca, please. Rebecca Garden. Rebecca behind the camera. Right. That's, That's Paddling <laughs> Offshore Products. She's done cr- I got an email at 5.02 a.m. from her uh, this morning. So she, yeah. I know she works hard. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. So the whole collaboration kitchen... I believe, we were talking about this just last week, it's the longest-running pop-up there is in the city. I mean, we're mm. coming up on nine years. We raise money for groups throughout the city. Uh, we have a full range of uh, volunteers, culinary volunteers. We have chefs that come in. We sell the tickets, and we donate the money right there on site. So 100% of the proceeds goes to a charity of our choice, usually a kid's program or something like that. So it's pretty exciting. Outstanding. Outstanding. Let's go to the website again, CatalinaOP.com. If they want to volunteer, you, you need volunteers ever, uh, Aviva? Absolutely. Come cook with us in our kitchen. To and where are you located? Where is the kitchen for good? We're in Southeast San Diego at the Jacob Center. Okay. Oh, sure. Perfect. Where we have the Press Club Award. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's the J- it is the Jacob Center, right? Is that for the, it's on Market. It's just south of Channel 10. I used to work Market over there. Euclid, yeah. Yeah. Right off of Euclid, right off the freeway. Really big. Sp- I didn't know you were over there. That's a, that's a great facility. Yeah. yeah. That's Didn't us. Saul Price help out that area with a big, big donations back in the day? I think he gave I something like 150 so. million or something to, to do that. So, so good for him. But uh, well, this is all really, really exciting stuff. Any, we only have a few minutes left here. Um, any compelling or really uh, important thoughts you'd like to share with us that we have not covered yet? Just come see us down yeah. at Catalina. But one thing that I wanted. Uh, let you know is that this is for any chefs or restaurateurs that are out there that if you're looking for kitchen help, front of the house, back of the house, or whatever, I please look into Kitchens for Good. It's a great organization, and we definitely need help with volunteers to come down and talk to these uh, young adults about the restaurant industry. Like I said, whether it's front of the house or back of the house, it's a mm-hmm. great opportunity to give somebody a chance at life again. Now, where do you identify the the uh, culinary students uh, to come work with you? Uh, tell us about the cooking school. I don't think people Absolutely. know enough about the cooking, the culinary education going on in San Diego. Tell us about that. So there's a huge need for decent cooks in San Diego, and so our program fills that need. And the populations we work with are primarily youth aging out of the foster care system, mm. formerly incarcerated men and women, and the oh, homeless. That and is great. so through our program, they're really gaining the skills, connections, and self-esteem necessary to launch their career. And our students go on to work at some of the top restaurants and hotels in San Diego. And we have about a 95% employment rate of wow. our graduates. I'm going to put you in touch with Neil Centuria because yeah. he's also launching Defy Ventures. Yeah. which Defy is. Ventures. Do you know, Neil? I just listened to that interview, yes. Oh, <laughs> see, Richard, we're doing some good in the We're world. doing some good. <laughs> <laughs> but that's you got to know, if you ever meet with Neil, you're going to have a hard time getting a word in edgewise. Well, that's <laughs> good. He, get, he gets stuff done. By the way, 
I'm going to just say it now. We're working on a big concert at at the Donovan State Prison. I'm not going to give any other details, but it's going to it's going to it's going to take the Johnny Cash thing at Folsom up several notches. I'm just going to leave it at that. But it will happen. And I have to have you a bringing smile. Johnny back from the dead, or what are you no, doing? No, 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 no. Okay. I said it's going to take it up several notches. Well, from I would that, take it up are, several. If, well, well anyway. no, we don't want Johnny. We're going to uh-huh. do better. Anyway, anyway, there's nothing better than Johnny. And, and he, um, well, I'm just saying. Okay. And and Tavis Smiley is interested in this too. I don't know if you you guys know who he is. He's, I do. Uh, he comes on after yeah. Charlie Rose, and yep. he's been on yeah. many, many. So I think this it's all exciting. I have all the ducks in a row now. It's taken several months, but anyway, I digress. But that's a, that's exciting. Um, well, this is great. So, so, but I do know there's culinary schools here. But that's great that you uh, reach out to the there's San Pasquale Academy. Also, have you worked with them up in um, North County at all? Or? Yeah. So we get referrals from youth, all of those local agencies. Youth at risk um, with students who are really passionate and want to start their career in the culinary industry. Well, what kind of fundraisers do you do other than you know? I mean, how other do you get support? Other than talk to people on live air to ask them to. <laughs> but, I, but I mean. No, uh, I think I well let's maybe later this year we could talk about a big fundraiser event involving you and Catalina or whatever I don't Absolutely. know we'll just we'll just kick off some we'll do some some major uni sushi whatever yeah and, and a big a big seafood and just do, be there's yeah, a strict food. bring some of the chefs in. a strictly seafood thing right strictly that's seafood. what we do best okay baby anyway <laughs> thank you Tommy Gomes thank you Aviva Pally thank you Dave Rudy Kelly uh, offshore products and uh, and kitchens for a good great having you on the show. Richard, great seeing you this week. And Justin Hart, our board operator. Justin, thanks. Thanks, thanks for everybody. making the sound, Trevor. Thanks for all the great uh, music. Also, thanks to Craig Blank, our con executive, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius here at KFMB. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iymoney.com. See you next time. Bye-bye.